This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler. I'm the general manager here at WZIP. And joining me today is Jennifer Bazaar. She's the assistant director at a place we were kind of talking off, Mike. Around here we just call it the Cummings Center, but... We really should. It's, that's really not the name. I mean, only in part. It's the Doctors Nicholas and Dorothy Cummings Center for the History of Psychology. Is that right? That's right. It's a bit of a mouthful, but that's who we are. That's who you are. And, and you know, I think it's really important for people to know um, that this is not something where somebody said, oh, you know, we have a little bit of space here. Let's, let's make a little museum. I mean, it's a much, much bigger deal than that. It does have Smithsonian affiliation. I mean, it's, it's, it's the real deal. And, you know, we're pleased to have this right here <laughs> at the University of Akron. Um, if you listen to the show regularly, you might have heard Kathy Fay. She is uh, also a big big part of the, of the of the Cummings Center, and so is Jennifer Bazaar. She's the assistant director. So we wanted to talk a little bit about the, about the museum itself, what its purpose is, and a lot of really cool things really always going on. We're going to hit the ones that are relevant now uh, or upcoming, but uh, it sounds like this is a place that never really sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely one way of putting it. <laughs> now, the, the Coming Center's been around for how long? Uh, officially since 1965. Oh, wow. um, so I didn't we started know that. off, yeah, we've had a long history. We've been all over campus in terms of different locations, and we started as just the archives of the history of American psychology. And okay. I say just when, in reality, it's the world's largest collection of materials related to the history of psychology at this point. So it's a really fantastic resource here at the University of Akron. Yeah, when, you but, say, when you say, what are some of these artifacts? I mean, what, what would examples be? Yeah, so we hold the personal papers of different psychologists from across the United States. Um, so that includes, you know, all of the their notes of their research, their correspondence, photographs, film, uh, sometimes artifacts from their laboratory research, that kind of thing. We have collections for different psychological organizations. Um, it, it's really kind of a, you know, a fairly complex, you know, collection. It has a lot of different mm-hmm. topics that are represented, and that's what ended up sort of leading to us opening a museum. Mm-hmm. Um, so the National Museum of Psychology uh, opened in 2018, and it was largely our previous uh, director's vision that uh, Dr. David Baker sort of saw that we had all of these items, you know, they were being used by researchers internationally, um, but it wasn't really available to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was the one who was like, this this has a, an, you know, it has an appeal. There's, there's people who are going to be wanting to see this material we can make it available um and that led to us opening a public space okay do you, do you have a lot of when you, when you mentioned you have um you know personal papers and, and and results of experiments and things like that do you have a lot of psychologists from you know around the country around the world who want to come these kind of their mecca i guess uh to, you know, to <laughs> see do. things that they, they know about they've read about but maybe really want to experience in a different way. Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, it's always one of the really sort of fun moments when you sort of encounter a visitor who sort of arranged their road trip. You know, maybe they're on their way to visit family. Maybe they're on their way to a conference, whatever it might have been. And they make sure to swing by Akron, Ohio, just to mm-hmm. see the National Museum of Psychology. So, wow. I mean, it certainly has that that uh, appeal. Um, we also go to a lot of uh, psychological conferences and that kind of thing to make sure that, you know, the community is aware of the resource that is here. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I guess that's an important point it's not just for somebody who is a say a psychologist or or a researcher in psychology i mean you know our, our students here at the university or joe schmo over on fifth street is is welcome to 
you know, partake as well. Absolutely. And that's the way the museum is set up. The museum is set up with the vision that the majority of our visitors are not psychologists. And uh, that doesn't matter because psychology has one of, it's sort of one of those topics that um, it's really around us all the time. And so right when you walk into the museum, our first examples that we give our visitors are things about how you are carrying psychology in your pocket with your cell phone. You know, the arrangement of the the number pad um, was decided by psychological research. Mm. Um, You know, all of these kinds of things that we just, we don't even realize it, Um, but it's it's all around us and uh, everybody will find something that appeals to them when they come and visit. And anybody who's gone to this university, except for me, I took intro to sociology, but (laughs) most people at this university (laughs) and across the country, you take intro to psych. Everybody takes intro to psych. So, I mean, I'll bet there's a lot of people who come through there and they see things like, oh, I remember reading about this in a textbook, you know, 25 years ago. Most definitely. (laughs) If you've taken an introductory psychology class in any generation, you will definitely recognize things in the museum. Um, We have a lot of the classic studies that are on display, everything from Milgram's uh, simulated shock generator to things from the uh, Stanford prison experiment uh, to the Bobo doll, um, you know, sort of really iconic psychological uh, uh, artifacts. See, as you're saying that, I can't recite exactly what all of those things are, but it's there's a familiarity to it's, it. It's generating a memory, so, right? Yeah. Right. Well, listen, there's, there are, you know, you do have um, some exhibits that are, that are permanent exhibits, and then there's some other things that are, um, you know, more temporary. I think we have, you know, one or two that are just open. We have some events coming up. So probably important to talk about, you know, some of those things. One of the things I noticed on, um, I guess it was on, on your website, 86 Reasons for Asylum Admission. What is that? Yeah, I was really <laughs> excited about this. So this is, um, uh, like you said, sort of a rotating exhibit we're hosting. Um, it's actually an art exhibit by Ohio-based porcelain uh, sculptor Kimberly Chapman. Um, and 86 Reasons for Asylum Admission is the title. And what she was doing was exploring women's experiences of mental health institutionalization in history. So everything from what were the assigned causes that led them to be institutionalized to what types of diagnoses did they receive, what types of treatments did they experience. Experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really provocative show. Um, she's been touring it around Ohio. Uh, we have it on display until December 2nd of this year. Um, and it's, I just find it really exciting because what she did was she took historical research and then, uh, you know, sort of interpreted that through the lens of a contemporary artist. Um, and I wow. think, we, you know, we end up sort of entering into really interesting conversations as a result of that kind of, of show. I'm just noticing, too, there's another one that um, it's separate, but it's it sounds like it's related. Suffered as women do gender and treatment in U.S. asylums. Yes. So when we agreed to host Kimberly's show, yeah, we have a whole theme going on. Um, Well, when, you know, Kimberly was going to bring her work in, uh, we assigned a student actually at the University of Akron here, uh, Lacey Nicholas. Uh, We told her, you know, we have a lot of material in the collection related to women's experiences of mental health care. Um, Why don't you see what we have that would touch on the themes that Kimberly's exploring, give a little bit more historical context to our visitors. And she created this fantastic exhibit. I absolutely can't underestimate um, sort of how much work she did on this, about a year's worth of work, installed it, uh, curated the whole thing. And what she's done is she explores these different topics that are highlighted in the contemporary art collection using our historical artifacts and pairs them with the first-person writings of women through history um, and then sort of unpacks them through the annual reports that we have and postcard images and stereoscopic images and film um, and all sorts of things. And that exhibit will actually be on longer. It'll be on for the better Mm -hmm. part of the next year. Um, And just connected to all of that, 
this Sunday on November 5th, we're actually screening uh, one of the films that Lacey has in that Suffered as Women Do exhibit over at the Nightlight um, in downtown Akron. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be screening it from, I think it's 4 to 5.30 p.m. Um, it's called Breakdown. It was a film back in 1951. We're going to sort of, you know, screen the whole thing and then talk about it because um, it really, it engages with uh, a lot of different topics, you know, sort of the diagnosis uh, of an illness, you know, sort of recognizing what treatments are available at the time, what hospital conditions are like at the time, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about all of that with everyone who attends. It wow. is a free event. Yeah, it's so. a really a very kind of multimedia approach to this this topic. That's really fascinating. That you know to to pull together you know through the archives you know, all the types of artifacts you just mentioned, and then pairing that with the contemporary art. That is really, or is that just common? That's what you do every day. I don't, to me, it's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're excited (laughs) by it. I mean, uh, you know, our collection is obviously historical in nature, but part of what we do is work with uh, students and contemporary artists and and sort of other community partners in all of our exhibits. Um, It's still, it's something really we've thrown ourselves into since returning from the pandemic. Um, And, you know, we've got sort of some rotating gallery spaces uh, within the National Museum of Psychology itself. And then also the upper two floors of our building is what's called the Institute for Human Science and Culture. And there's rotating gallery spaces in there as well. And they're constantly exhibiting, you know, students from the Meyer School of Art. Uh, they're bringing in uh, every year contemporary indigenous artists. So it really, it's not just history in the building. Yeah. There's a lot of, of contemporary work as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, combining the history with art and that's that's, that's really something. I, there's another one here too that um, I think there was a special event that was a little bit earlier in the week, um, Sexology Today. And I think there's uh, an exhibit that coincides with that as well. There is, yeah. So the exhibit, uh, so the the event you're talking about is a panel that we were uh, hosting this week uh, with a group of experts from the University of Akron who are just talking about uh, sex research past and present. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of, you know, a conversation that engages with the themes raised by the exhibit. But the exhibit itself is actually um, focused on a magazine that was called Sexology, Um, And it started from about the 1930s and ran into the 1980s. And it's really one of the first times that uh, sex researchers, sexologists, were sharing their research with a public audience. Mm. So it was very much... Um, she was very controversial, very especially in the thirties, <laughs> and really kind of you know hit on some some interesting lines of of uh, discussion. Um, you know, they are sort of pushing the envelope in terms of what they're allowed to distribute and write, mm-hmm. um, but they're also not in agreement. So all the different authors, the editors, you know, there's disagreement on one topic with sometimes within the same issue. And so what we did was we created an exhibit around some of the themes that are raised in the in the magazine, um, and it was actually our students in the foundation. Museums and Archives program who created the exhibit. They, you know, everything from curating the collection of magazines to put on display, doing the write-up, you know, the interpretive text on the wall, uh, building the tables um, that display everything, um, and hosting an opening. Um, so it's, it, it's a really interesting exhibit. It talks about everything from um, sort of gender roles to, uh, you know, illness and disease, uh, sex as it's presented on film, reproductive rights, um, uh, trans identity, um, just, you know, sort of variety of topics, not everything covered in the magazine. Mm-hmm. We would have had to sure. take over a whole floor to be able it's, to well, do it's that. Well, it's a museum but... somewhere else, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> um, But it's, you know, I think there's something for everybody. And it also looks at, like, how have these topics been discussed over time? Um, how has that changed over time? Um, what were some of the disagreements uh, that happened? Uh, what were some of some of the outlandish things that were sort of, you know, sort of told to a public audience? Backed um, by research. 
Yeah. At that time. At that time. 1930s <laughs> version research or, or earlier. Yeah. So, wow, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting as well. I don't know if this other thing really fits in with some of the others or not, but uh, beyond the picket fence, the places and spaces we call home. Yeah, so we always have a, a lot of different topics yeah. on display. I mean, that's, that's sort of the uh, thing that's exciting about coming down to the Cumming Center is, you know, you'll find a variety of topics that are being exhibited. Uh, Beyond the Picket Fence uh, was created by a volunteer student, Kellen Toombs. Uh, she was working within our collections to basically explore the idea of home. Uh, what does it mean to be home? What does it mean to find home? Um, and really ended up kind of creating these conversations within our collections and partnering with community uh, organizations locally uh, to explore how we each experience home, how that can change over time, how there's things outside of our control that might affect how we uh, experience home. So mm -hmm. things like, you know, a natural disaster. Um, so if you have a flood in your home, what, you know, what does that do for your experience? Or if you are uh, displaced from your home as a result of conflict, um, if you are institutionalized, uh, you know, whether it's for healthcare or the correctional system, or uh, if you're in a senior's home, I mean, these are all different circumstances yeah. of home is now being defined in a different way, often out of your control, you know, all of these kinds of things. Um, the aesthetics of home, how have psychologists studied, you know, what we put in our, in our spaces. Uh, does home need to be a physical space? Uh, so we, we uh, sort of explore the t um, stereotypes of uh, being unhoused um, and then interviewed people in the community um, mm -hmm. and said, you know, do you, how, what does home mean to you? Um, and the same themes come out, whether or not the person is living in a physical structure or whether or not they're living unhoused, right? It's these ideas of comfort, of family, uh, of the, that feeling that you know that you are safe, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a neat um, exhibit that... Yeah, my, and my vision of those things is probably different than yours or different than anybody else's. I would expect but it would still, be, yeah. yeah. That has that meaning to me. It's funny, I was just this morning leaving a message for a friend of mine. Uh, that I grew up with who lives out of state. And I made a reference to something about, you know, next time you're home or when, you know, last time you were home. And I corrected myself too and said, I'm sorry, you've lived, you have not lived in what I'm calling your home since high school. Yeah. You know, I mean, went off to college and then moved across the country. And and so her, her house, okay, her, her home, at least however you want to define that, yeah. is in California. But she also refers to coming home sometimes. Yep. So which... Yep. You know, and I guess you just kind of answered it. Say, we it's all different. do that it's, for sure. Yeah, in her case, at she different has two times things. in our lives, right? I mean, I've even said, you know, I'm heading home when I'm out traveling, and I'm just heading back to the hotel. I yeah. don't mean that that's genuinely my home, right. but it's sort of like you know this this association of like that's my temporary home. Yeah, for the it's next your week. space for right now, yeah. and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So yeah, by you, you, you've proven your point. There's a lot of things that <laughs> Yeah, and it can be a difficult on. topic, right? Like, I mean, it can be um, a challenge, you know, if we've lost our homes in some way or, you know, if, if somebody is trying to create home for us um, in a space that we don't necessarily want to be. Um, so it, it has a lot of layers to it. Now, for people who don't make it in and um, – whether it's for one of these particular exhibits or just in general, maybe they're listening from some other place, they're not going to make it to Akron. There are some online options. What kinds of things can I see online that's associated with the museum? Yeah, I mean, if uh, somebody visits our website, um, probably the best tab to click on um, if you're just looking for the virtual um, sort of collection is called Education. 
Um, and there we have all sorts of things. We have virtual exhibits on topics like um, ethics. Um, we've got some of our collection is visible online that you can actually sort of, you know, read, uh, for instance, uh, about 500 different copies of asylum reports um, from across the United States. Um, you can actually read full PDF scans of those and flip through the pages and, you know, do a whole project, whether it's for a class or whether it's for your own personal interest. Um, we've got a fair number of videos on our YouTube channel. Um, so everything from, um, you know, digitized archival uh, footage to actual uh, films that we've created. We have a series called Five Minute History Lessons, for instance, where we introduce different psychologists and the work that they've done. Mm. Um, we've got uh, recordings of our different panels that we've hosted over time um, or speakers that we've brought in. So there's really kind of a wide range of topics that are accessible in that way as well. Okay. And for people who are local or passing through, um, there is a small fee to get in. Um, but uh, I think you're closed, what, Sundays and Mondays? And it's all on the website, the hours Yeah, and it's on the website, but basically and... Tuesday to Saturday. Um, most days is 11 to 4. Wednesdays is a 1 till 8 p.m., so it's a later evening. Um, it is $10 admission for the general public, um, but all students, staff, or faculty of the University of Akron are free. Uh, students at other organizations are, you know, sort of half price. Um, we have a family price. We're free for veterans. Um, you know, all of our events are always free, and we make sure to keep the museum and gallery spaces open during those times. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of ways to come and, and see us. Uh, before we go, another reminder, Jennifer Bazaar is here. She's assistant director of the Cummings Center. You know, working in a place like that, some of the things that you've described that are just, for you, just walking down the hallway from one office or one room to another, you know, do you ever get a chance to stop and, and really take in things, you know, in – other More than just working. More often than I should, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a wonderful place to work. Um, I mean, I was trained as a historian of psychology, so I am... I am surrounded by the preeminent collection related to my field in the world. I mean, it was a dream to be able to come and work here. And so every day is sort of, I learn something new. Mm -hmm. um, I see something new. Uh, I get excited about something. Um, and it's it's just, it's a fun place to be. Do you have a, be. a favorite place to stop? Oh. <laughs> um... I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I always like wandering through the museum. Um, it, it's interesting because, I mean, there are parts of it that are, um, you know, semi-permanent. Um, they'll be there the same sort of, you know, from visit to visit. But I always see something new mm -hmm. every time I walk through the, the space. There's always something else that jumped out at me that I didn't quite notice in the same way before. Mm -hmm. What would be your advice to somebody who's coming for the first time? What should they, how should they kind of prepare for that? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a self-guided experience. Um, so the museum is laid out in a way that uh, we expect people are just sort of touring themselves through. There is a lot of interactives, drawers to pull out, videos to play, um, you know, interactive games, if you will, to, uh, to try out to sort of understand the psychological concepts that are being presented. Um, so I would say just come with an open mind, come with mm -hmm. curiosity, um, you know, make sure to sort of block off a good little chunk of time. <laughs> yeah, well, how much time should I allow? We say a minimum of an hour. Um, in fairness, that really is only the first floor. Um, the fourth floor with the Institute Galleries um, would require at least another hour. Um, and I'm sure you could quite spend large. the entire day, really. I mean, you if could. you really wanted to take in and stop and read, yeah. you know, kind of everything and study stuff, I mean, it's... 
Yeah, and it depends on what you're coming for. If you're, you know, if you want to just come and see a particular exhibit, that's going to take you, you know, less time than if you're coming and trying to see everything all at once, which mm-hmm. can be a bit overwhelming. So maybe, sure. you know, if you're able to space it out a bit, um, right. we'll be there. Yeah. Okay. And you know, you can really just Google Coming Center University of Akron. You'll you'll find the website very easily. It's very easy to navigate. By the way, I was oh, on good. it, and uh, you can find out really all the things we've talked about, but a, a lot more as far as special events. Um, you know, things in the archives, uh, there's a, a, a tab called, you know, upcoming exhibits. So you can just kind of keep checking uh, to see, you know, what's going to be new at the Doctors Nicholas and Dorothy Cummings Center for the History of Psychology. Thanks for joining us. Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP-FM. Z-A-A-T-A-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A-T-A